was just an observation. <laughs> oh, an observation, huh? Well, who the hell are you, man? Isaac fucking Newton? <laughs> Welcome back to Dazed and Confused 33 and a Third. I'm your host, Jarf, and we are here for Track 23 with my guest, Robin, from Karate Kid Minute. Welcome, Robin. Hey, uh, I'm uh, very excited to be here. I love this movie. Uh, I love your format, how you're doing this like a soundtrack. It is very cool. (laughs) Nice. I appreciate that. Cool. Well, let's get right into it because I'm super excited. Oh, sorry. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, do it right, man. Come on. <laughs> you can't just say one all right. <laughs> no, you can't. You got to say all three. I mean, this so... is the movie that it comes from, right? Like, like he, it, this is where it all originated. A Richard Linklater wrote, all right, all right, all right. And Matthew McConaughey is like, that's my thing. <laughs> it did originate from this movie. It might have been more of an improvised McConaughey. I yeah. can't. I'm not sure about that. He's got this whole story where he explains what the meaning of all right, all right, oh. all right is, which I hate. It's like he's got the three things that are important to him. It's one of those. It's like the midichlorians of Dazed and Confused. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. 1992 at um, Top Notch Drive Through, right here in Austin, Texas. I wasn't even supposed to work there. I've never acted before. I show up to do a hair and makeup test. I come out and link later to the director. Goes, hey, I got this idea where you'd, you know, Wooderson would probably, you know, pick up on the redheaded intellectual girl. You think he'd do that? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you want to shoot it? And I go, give me 30 minutes. And I remember taking a walk and came back. I'm in my car. I'm sitting there, about to shoot the first scene I've ever done in a movie. I've got some anxiety, so I'm going through my head. Who's my man? Who's my man? Who's Wooderson? And I'm sitting there. I'm going, well, I'm about my car. I go, well, I'm in my '70 Chevelle. There's one. I said, I'm about getting high. I said, well, Slater's riding shotgun. He's always got a doobie rolled up. There's two. I said, I'm about rock and roll. I said, well, I got Ted Nugent playing Stranglehold in the eight track. There's three. And all of a sudden, I hear action. And I looked up, and there she was in the car, put it in drive. And as I pulled out, going for the fourth, I gave three affirmations for the three things out of four that I did have. All right, all right, all right. That's where that came from. But that's the first words I said that turned out to be right now, 27-year career. But track 23 features Balinese by ZZ Top. And it starts with two extras in a convertible passing the bong. And it ends with Mike, Siobhan, and Tony walking away from the dust up with Clint. So I want to let our listeners know that you specifically requested... In general, something with Mike, Siobhan, and Tony. And then, if memory serves, specifically this altercation with Clint. So I was kind of curious, since you did ask for it, was there a moment in the scene that spoke to you? And for me, it was actually things other than that altercation. I really liked Melvin's dancing. And then I also noticed Wooderson hitting on a girl with reddish brown hair other than Cynthia. And they are really establishing a theme. He really (laughs) likes those redheads. Right. But back to you. Why did you want a Mike, Cynthia, and Tony scene and why the fight? Uh, Okay. All right. Well, I will just say this movie came out in 1993, which was my senior year of high school. And... If you remember, because you're around the same age as me, 
back in the 90s when the grunge started happening, a lot of that was echoing back to that 70s rock, especially like the Southern rock. A lot of the soundtrack made a lot of sense. And I assume uh, some of it like Slow Ride would just start charting again because the the 70s uh, Southern rock got so much bigger, like a resurgence during the 90s. And then like maybe like a year, maybe like two years later, I was a bit of a, a, a Wooderson. Like I was 19 or 20. I was still hanging out with friends that were like juniors and seniors. I wasn't dating any of them, uh, but I had got my own uh, apartment and like everybody would come over. We'd be like drinking beers and stuff. And I would, I wasn't old enough to drink beers. I had, I had my own Wooderson. His name was Brett. He would always buy beers for us. And we had this movie on DVD and it would always be on. It would just always be on. We just sat and drank and smoked. We like, uh, what do we we want to watch? Let's put on Dazed and Confused again. Yeah, because like it would get to a point where like all of our group of friends would just start identifying with certain characters. We'd start reciting our characters' lines as we're watching the movie, as we're you know passing one around, you know. So yeah, uh, my buddy Brett was was Wooderson. There was my friend Josh. He was the Melvin. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned Melvin's dance because I wasn't sure uh, if you would be because like that dance Josh would always try to replicate. Like that no. just funny little dance. That he, yeah. So like when a party was raging, all of a sudden you'd look over and you'd see him trying to pull off the Melvin. <laughs> That's amazing. My friend Joe is more like a kind of like a mix between Slater and uh, Pickford. Kind of, kind of not as not as stoned out as Slater, but uh, he just had his Pickford look to him. And so, so that- just based on aesthetics, not because the way Pickford acts is so over the top. <laughs> He's so intense. And yeah, like better watch out, Junior. All of that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't have any O'Banions. I didn't have any of those guys. But like. The main three were me, my friend Fryer, and my friend Jen. And I would be, I was Mike, because I was, I had hair like Mike. I was always brooding. I, I was in my like 1920 out of high school, not sure what the heck I was doing with my life and just kind of figuring things out. You, you can see how Mike is just constantly like grumpy, but he's like, he's like, why do we have to accept all this? You know, and, 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 and then he lets that commentary get out of control when he's walking around with his friends. And he happens to walk by somebody that he shouldn't have said something in front of. And really, it's like Mike says just something as innocent as, well, someone's been smoking some reefer, you know, and at any other stoners you'd walk by, be like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like one ahead or whatever, you know. But Clint here, like Clint is, uh, I don't know, like the angriest stoner I've ever seen. And so, yeah, I had this experience of not only feeling like Mike, but also getting kind of harassed like Mike and having my own little group. And every once in a while, like maybe not like 19 or 20, but as a teenager, you just run into people like this. Like they just are looking to get, get into a fight. They're looking to get set off. And so, yeah, it really is like, like I would get bullied randomly. There would just be random acts of violence. Like I just walked by somebody wouldn't like my face and they would just go after me. Like my friend Fryer, who is my is my, uh, what is it, Andy? I think it is. No, Tony. Sorry. Same thing. People just walk by him and want to beat his ass. <laughs> just like, what the heck? Uh, luckily, I, I, I came through high school all right. But it's like, it, and, it, and it would be just like, Mike, you would just be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just, you know, I was just making an observation and, you know, everything. We're cool. You know, I was just, wasn't like trying to talk down or anything. But it, the guy would just be looking for a fight. And I, I really feel like a lot of anger towards Clint. The other one I felt anger towards was, um, yeah, I'm sorry, this is tangential but 
Don, that moment when Don is walking through the high school and he just kind of like scares a freshman for no reason other than a laugh. Like I feel that in my bones. I'm like, why would he Mm. like that is just asserting some power, you know, just for his own laughs. And meanwhile, who cares about the other kid? Who cares how he feels, you know? But, um, it's funny that they give Clint the, like I said, the angriest stoner, like the tropiest lines, like don't let your mouth write a check. Your butt can't cash. Or I came here to do two things, yada, yada, yada. Like, of course, you know, this numbskull is repeating things you probably heard in movies 10 or 20 years from the date of this movie, but. (laughs) Yeah. Or heard his dad say. Yeah, yeah. That spoke to me. And just the whole, like, I don't know if you've ever been to like a backwoods party, like, you know, up in Vermont, we get up into some stuff in the woods. So yeah, all those things got to kind of speak to me. The backwoods party, the bong rips, the the kegs, the close up of the keg being pumped. Oh, that brings it back. shotgunning beer cans you see slater walking around peddling weed like that's that's the kind of stuff that would happen at like a a party out in the woods you know oh yeah absolutely (laughs) probably any party but i'm just saying but back to this fight since unfortunately you have experienced similar altercations i was curious if you agreed that the filmmakers did a good job of capturing the way the vibe can just turn on a dime yes and one moment mike cynthia and tony they're walking along they're having fun and then suddenly clint starts interacting with mike and you can just see cynthia and tony they're kind of huddled together and they do a good job of keeping them in the shot sort of in between mike and clint and you can just tell they're very wary and all of the energy that mike is or rather clint is giving off it's just all wrong and you just kind of know Mm, this isn't right. Mm. I think Clint's body language is perfect because it is so aggressive, especially when he says something like, yeah, that's right. I'm a pothead. And he slaps himself on the forehead. You just kind of, you see that aggression coming off of him. So did you agree that that was authentically captured? And did you see the song in this scene kind of playing in either in a good way or in a bad way to make the scene work? Well, yeah, the way that negative energy Energy can just change a vibe so quickly. I, I think they captured it quite well. And like when Clint pushes Mike and Tony and Cynthia start sort of jump and kind of make a motion of going to help Mike, but also like too scared. Mm-hmm. But the also the other thing is like, like they do this so well that I can actually make I, like we haven't really I think we saw Clint maybe working on a car earlier or something like that. He's talking cars with Wooderson. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They're total gearheads. <laughs> right, right. So I actually, just from this interaction, I picture Clint like coming to this party from like an argument with his dad. Like, you're going to go smoke some pot, aren't you? You're going to go shotgun beer or whatever. Hang out with those loser friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and so somebody comes by and, you know, it's it, it, he feels like he was looked down upon. It triggers him. And uh, mm-hmm. so like, I don't, I mean, I can see if I was in Mike's shoes, I'd be just like, get me out of here. But like, you know, from the outside, from the film viewer perspective, I can see they did a good job, but I just, the, the, that, yeah, like you said, like he slaps his forehead a little bit, like, come on, you know, like, what do you like? Come on, dad. Or whoever was, whoever really originally like uh, triggered him. But yeah, the, the song, it really kind of, uh, I mean, it's like, it's ZZ Top. It's, it's a cool, like Southern rock song. It kind of plays like, like party music, 
but I don't know. Did you research this song? Because I, I, I actually did. <laughs> I did a little bit. Yeah. Like I know it's the Balinese Room was a famous nightclub on Galveston Island in Texas. Yeah. yeah. And Frank Sinatra played there, illegal mm-hmm. gambling. So it, I thought it, I mean, first of all, you got to have it on the soundtrack because they mentioned Texas. <laughs> yeah, and then... Yeah. It does have the right groove for, hey, the party's just kicking in and people are mixing and mingling and all of that. And then there's also a mixture of fun and then menace. So Mm. all of those things were working. But was there something that you came across in your research that you thought was interesting? Well, yeah, like you said, it was it it had drinking and dancing and and legal illegal gambling. Illegal dancing. Illegal dancing. Well, that's the... (laughs) That's your uh, Footloose 33 and a third. Coming up soon, folks. Just uh, just wait. Jarv's going to do that one now. Uh, uh, and the idea of this being like the place to go and, you know, something where like, you know, you can get away with whatever. This like rebellious den of iniquity history of the Balinese room kind of lends itself to this atmosphere at the Moon Tower in a weird, weird civilian way, because this is like a, a Galveston Island for them. There, there's no cops around, you know, right now. <laughs> they're, they're teenagers on the loose. They've painted up, you know, statues that look like Kiss. They're all doing every sort of drug, you know. So I think in a way it's almost like, I don't know, if we were sitting on a beach and there suddenly you heard in the background Kokomo. <laughs> you know? oh, right. So it, it just adds a little flavor to the scene, you know. And if you look into the history of what what, what that song's the song's all about, it adds even more. I, I was I was happy to actually look that up. The Balinese room, by the way, if anybody wants to look for it, it's been destroyed. <laughs> Hurricane Ike <laughs> right. in two thousand eight. It is gone. That was, that was a real bait and switch there, Robin. Yeah. Hey, if anybody yeah. wants to look for it, it's destroyed. It's got yes, <laughs> yeah. So cool. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. And pulling the thread back into your high school experience. <laughs> yeah. If they made a movie about your high school days, what song would play on the soundtrack in your version of the scene? What did you say? It was Backwoods Vermont Parties? <laughs> yeah. I would say like if you'd hear, if we were at a party with a bunch of my friends, you know, off in the woods or whatever, uh, or at my old apartment, we were listening to a uh, grunge alternative in my senior year of 92 to 93. I mean, we were listening to Nirvana, Faith No More, Alice in Chains, Smashing Pumpkins, but did I say puppies? Smashing Pumpkins, but uh, Smashing Puppies is terrible. Uh, <laughs> don't listen to them. Uh, they're skinny puppy. I yeah, think you really did say Smashing Pumpkins, yeah, and I then you just brought puppies puppies into it for no reason okay leave that all in (laughs) but like what really turned me into from like like i was you know earlier in like junior high and stuff i'd be listening to motley Crue and poison and like i don't know winger or something like that so it turned me from like that headbanger to like a flannel wearing rocker would totally be pearl jam and and the first time i was sitting in the back of my girlfriend's mom's van and a live came on the radio and i was like what is this Like, it's so, like, dramatic and, like, speaks to my, like, team. Like, what is going on? And, and it's it's rocking, but it's not, like, I don't know, what is starting to be embarrassing rocking, <laughs> you know, at this point. You're like, I'm looking for something new. But, yeah, Alive. Alive is the song that would be playing for sure. Nice. So I wasn't thinking so much for me about a song that was contemporary for me when I was in high school, mm-hmm. but more 
what matches the vibe. Okay. And that for me would be Drop It Like It's Hot by Snoop <laughs> really? Dogg and Pharrell. Because it's <laughs> like, so Balinese, it's got a tasty groove, but it's not the showstopper number. Right. It's just a fun song that sets the right vibe for the party. And mm. Drop It Like It's Hot is the same way for me. It's just, you might forget about it if you haven't heard it for a while, but when it comes on, it's like, oh, this is a good hook. So... Yeah, I could kind of see, I could kind of see everybody like sliding into the party to the tune of that. Yeah, for sure. I also somehow randomly heard Jump Around by House of Pain uh, yes. twice today. Oh my God. And I could see that one too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, my girlfriend played uh, Jump by, speaking of, Jump by uh, Criss Cross uh, recently. And I was like, what happened to these people? <laughs> and what was that fashion statement? <laughs> <laughs> Just put your clothes on backwards. That's right. <laughs> Keep them crisscross. But that's that's what a Snuggie is now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess if you're into that. Yeah, if you're into that. Well, speaking of fashion. Oh, nice segue. Which character's fashion stood out to you, either in the scene or the movie overall? Oh, yeah. Well, that's funny that you say that. What's up with Don's overalls? Like, are they cool? Are they just like, I don't care? They just seem like, I don't know. It was Were overalls popular back then? <laughs> what do you well, think? Well, <laughs> I, I can give you some insight from the actor, but first... Just full disclosure, I'm already on record saying that I like Don's overalls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I talked about that a couple tracks ago, oh, specifically sure. yeah. as one of the things that stood out to me. But what he said is that he wanted to look like Pigpen from the Peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> just tickles me to death so so yeah so okay that stood out in a bad way was there anything that stood out in a good way okay all right well i mean i i like witterson's look until i realized that's a ted nugent shirt he's wearing no we're not doing that uh slater's pot leaf shirt a little on the nose <laughs> um i do like i i do like uh pink's look uh, both the just a t-shirt and jeans, and then the kind of like the, the I don't know. The, he had some. He had a like an easy, like a comfy, comfy looking button up that he was wearing. Mm -hmm. um, How about the puka shell necklace? Oh, absolutely! I mean, come on! I mean, back then, <laughs> absolutely. I was. I actually never owned one of those, and I always wanted one. Um, but I guess I never got. To it's not too late, man. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I should. I should reclaim the puka. Uh, making this trendy again. No, but I mean, I was, I kind of look over it at, at Mike. Mike, Mike is my character. So uh, I look at his fashion as basically my own back then, like not back in 79 or whenever this is, but, uh, back, back in my senior year when we were watching this all the time, t-shirt jeans, sometimes a flannel looking kind of scruffy. Uh, that, that was basically me. Uh, but yeah, I probably would want to look more like pink, like just like in this relaxed relaxed kind of button up nice looking button up you know bring the ladies in <laughs> yeah bring them in yeah, yeah see because i'm more drawn to the people that are really trying to look good like ah. 
Melvin. He's got like a nice, maybe silk shirt, tight pants. Parker Posey's got the like shirt tied up in the front. It looked like a little. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's tangent. Um, <laughs> the absolute perfection of Parker Posey, Joey Lauren Adams, and Mila Jovovich in this movie. I. It's just, I mean, this is just, I don't know what Linklater did. He just kind of plucked all these people from all these, just like Joey Lauren Adams from like the Kevin Smith universe. Parker Posey from maybe the, the well, I guess she was more like indie queen uh, at this point mm-hmm. uh, before Christopher Guest. But, and just, a, you know, like a young Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Super gorgeous. young. 16, I she believe. Was, oh gosh, never mind. I'm going to stop. <laughs> Edit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and they're all looking great. They, those 70s fashions are worn very well by them, I shall say. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think Michelle is cool, it's kind of fun to imagine what else might have happened in her story because behind the scenes, the actor who plays her boyfriend, Pickford, he just didn't get along with everybody. <laughs> and so they ended up writing him. And then by extension, her more out of the story. So if that wasn't the case, like at the end, when they're driving off to get the Aerosmith tickets. Yeah. That was supposed to be Pickford. Because Pickford was like Pink's best friend. But then while he was being too much of a jerk for everyone to get along with, Mm. then Matthew McConaughey was being Matthew McConaughey. And so they expanded his character and reduced Pickford. But yeah, just, I mean. I mean, the reconnaissance starts here. Uh, your eyes are drawn to, uh, yeah, he is kind of like a bit of a scummy character when he talks about women and how he's always kind of played. But he is just, like, he's rarely following anybody. Like, it stuck out to me in my recent rewatch how Slater comes in and he's like, I'm going to go play some whatever ping, ping foosball foosball and uh wooderson follows him in i was talking to myself I was like that's the first time like i've seen like wooderson following another character rather than everybody seemed to be gravitating around him and following mm-hmm. him or driving with him like yeah you're, so it, it makes makes a lot of sense to swap wooderson out with pick or swap picker pickford out with wooderson yeah and and this is completely unrelated but i didn't want the track to go by without giving pink his props for breaking up the fight. Yes. he's He's got his buddies back, so I appreciated that. And, and honestly, I appreciated uh, the pinks in my life that would watch out for me. Because, yeah, I was kind of like a... <laughs> on my own kind of kid and uh, I try to go to parties and then just like I don't know just somebody somebody would be annoyed that I was there or something like why is that guy here uh, <laughs> and uh, or I'd get some sort of makes it sound like I got a fight in a fight in every party no but the times that I did really stick out in my memory rather than the ones that were cool and nothing happened <laughs> yeah that is the way memory works but yeah yeah it's nice to have that friend that's like calm down he's cool yeah yeah good for pink yeah good for pink <laughs> And I wanted to give you some time to plug what you're involved in. I don't know if there's like a movie where someone had been bullied and he overcomes <laughs> it that maybe spoke to you to cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is funny how I'm kind of drawn to the underdog, but uh, <laughs> who triumphs over the top. My movie is over the top. No, it's, it's uh, uh, I, I do a, <laughs> I do a uh, minute by minute podcast about the Karate Kid franchise. Now, mind you, if you're a minute by minute purist, we did the first Karate Kid Minute by Minute, and we did the sequel, Two Minutes by Two Minutes, third, Three Minutes by Three Minutes, and now we are currently doing the next Karate Kid, Four Minutes at a Time. 
because, yeah, my interest wanes as the franchise goes on. We also talk about Cobra Kai, all, all the seasons of Cobra Kai we do episodes on, and other things that are somehow connected to the Miyagi-verse. Sometimes we put a bonus episode in there. I mean, we've done Adventures in Babysitting. We've done Teen Witch. We've done Shoot Fighter. Uh, so uh, if you if you want to, uh, if you, I don't know, if you like listening to the nonsense that I've been dribbling out over the past half hour, feel free to uh, join me and my friend Matt, who talks much more coherently uh, on Karate Kid Minute. Oh, and you'll catch Jarf there too every once in a while. Cool. Well, thanks for joining me tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Yes. Thank you so much. I've been so looking forward to talking about the movie. I've probably seen, I've probably seen this movie more than any other movie. But the fun thing is that I watched it so much in those years that I probably hadn't seen it in like maybe 15, 20 years. So it was fun rewatching it and just re-experiencing all those memories that go along with the movie for me. So thanks. Not to worry, there's a new fiesta in the making. Join us at the Moon Tower, our Facebook listeners group. Until next time, just keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.